So are we okay? Yeah, did I say good morning already? Good, we've got that one covered. Um, I'm going to dive straight in for the sake of time. Uh, we are on week six, would you believe, of Kingdom Culture, which means probably one more week to go before Easter. And what we've been trying to do uh, through the duration of this course so far is, is to ask a big question, I think, which is what are the key characteristics of kingdom culture? How did Jesus intend us to set ourselves up? How did he intend us to, to operate? What, what did he intend us to grow, as it were? What are the things that, that as a church or as an individual we should be pressing into? And perhaps what are the things that we should be avoiding? We know, of course, don't we, that, that Jesus turned up on the scene and turned religion upside down. Amen. He told different stories about what kingdom would be like. And he demonstrated daily the power of the kingdom. He modelled the, the values of the kingdom. You know, and I'm convinced, I'm increasingly convinced that, that, that Jesus was preparing a soil. He was cultivating an environment. He was setting an atmosphere. And our job is simply to reproduce that. To, to reproduce the grace, to, to, to reproduce the, the hope and the positivity to reproduce that supernatural edge, that, that radical responsiveness that we talked about last week. And this week I want to, to look at uh, another characteristic. This, this one I'm calling the spirit of faith. Uh, taking really the thought, the idea from, from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which is a really powerful chapter, for the sake of time, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. In it, Paul talks about the spirit of faith. The context really is persevering under persecution, which of course was a big deal to them in those days. And he wrote this in, in 2 Corinthians 4.13. He says, we have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe and then speak in faith. We do this because we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him and together we will all be brought into this presence. So the idea here is, is that faith is a spirit that we can all have and that spirit should invade and pervade everything we do. Let's just think, stop and ponder for a second. Do you know the difference between someone who has the spirit of faith and someone who doesn't? Do you know the difference between a church that has the spirit of faith and a church that doesn't? You know, you know in that church, nothing happened last week and the expectation is that in all likelihood nothing will happen this week. 
contrast that with, with the church that just carries the spirit of faith. It's as though the, the, the environment is, is electrically charged with possibility. And in it, there's this spirit of hope and of expectation and of faith and of boldness. And we should all have, we as a church should have, our, our soil should be characterized by the spirit of faith. A few things about faith. Faith, faith should sink deep. Faith should grow strong and faith should spread wide. That's what a church that has a spirit of faith is like. Faith should be seen at work in our thoughts. It should be heard in our words and seen in our actions. Faith is is a spirit that is caught and transferred and that grows. In summary, faith is a spirit we carry as well as a lifestyle we live and a characteristic, frankly, that we should be known for. We should be known as a people of faith who carry the spirit of faith. Now we see, obvious statement, I think, we see the spirit of faith in evidence all the way through Scripture. Think about that fantastic passage in Hebrews chapter 11 that that talks about the, the heroes of the Old Testament. And all of those heroes are commended for their great faith. We think of little old David against Mahusiv Goliath. We think about Joshua marching his people around the walls, fortified walls of the city of Jericho. I don't know about you, I think of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. That's one of my favourite stories. Or perhaps we can think about Daniel and the lion's den, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace. All the way through the Old Testament, we see this extraordinary spirit of faith in evidence. And of course, Jesus exemplified the spirit of faith every single day. I mean, think about Jesus' ministry. He left his home, he left his family, he left his career. The first thing he did was fast 40 days in the wilderness. But then he travelled about the land with the bare essentials and what was frankly a ragamuffin band of followers for three years. Preaching and teaching and healing the sick every single day. Amen. Jesus took on the religious establishment. He, he called them vipers and whitewashed tombs and hypocrites. It was though he was goading them almost to kill him. And of course they did in the end. And throughout the Gospels we see these extraordinary acts of faith. Turning water into wine. You know, spitting in the dirt and rubbing it in the blind man's eyes. Going up to Lazarus's tomb. He'd been dead four days. It was already stinking. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus exemplified the spirit of faith every single day. Throughout the Gospels, we see people who caught the spirit of faith. Think about that, the woman with the issue of blood. You know that story in Mark chapter 5? Where she just said to herself, even though I'm unclean, if I can just push my way through this crowd, if I can just grab a hold of the hem of his garment, then surely 
I will be healed. You know the story. Jesus said, who touched me? He felt power leave him. Let me think about the, the, the four crazy friends. Everyone should have four crazy friends, I reckon, who brought their friend on a stretcher. He was flat out, couldn't move a muscle. And they dug a hole in the roof and lowered him in to the room Jesus was ministering because the crowd was so big they couldn't even get to the front door, let alone through it. Spirit of faith. I love the story of the Roman centurion. And his servant is sick. And he says to Jesus simply this, I recognize that you carry this power and this authority. I don't need to trouble you, Master. Just say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. You know what Jesus said? I've not, across the whole of Israel, I've not seen such great faith. Repeatedly, Jesus commended the spirit of faith. Matthew 9, 22. Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. Matthew 9, 29. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Amen. Mark 5, 36. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. You know, through, through his ministry, his life, his teaching, his demonstrations, example, Jesus made, Jesus made it abundantly clear that we need to be a people of faith. Matthew 17, 20, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. And then on our timeline, we move into the book of Acts. You know, people read the book of Acts looking for all sorts of different success traits and formulae. But for me, you know, the standout characteristic, I was going to say they're mad, they're all crazy. The standout characteristic was this extraordinary, striking faith and boldness that they had. You know, practically the first day after Pentecost, Peter and John are walking past the temple I tell the story so often because it's so good. There's a beggar there. He's been there for over a decade. They've walked past him time and time and time again. He begs for money yet again. Give me money. Have mercy on me. And what do they say? Silver and gold have I none, but I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. When was the last time you did that? <laughs> when was the last time I did that? When they're begging for money, you probably do what I do, which is kind of slink to the other side of the road. Silver, I don't have that stuff. I tell you what I do have. I tell you what, in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's what set them apart. There's extraordinary faith and boldness. Think about Stephen. Stephen was an amazing man. Stephen stood before the religious Jews and had rocks in their hands. They were literally poised, ready to stone him to death. Livid, furious, angry they were. What did Stephen do? Stephen, the spirit of faith rose up in Stephen and he preached the gospel straight and strong to those guys. Amen. Think about Paul and Silas in prison at midnight. I don't know what I'd be trying to do in prison at midnight. I don't know, I have no idea. Hopefully I'll never have to find out. But you know what they're doing? They're singing praises to heaven at midnight. Why was that? Because that spirit of faith and boldness was rising up on the inside of them. 
I'd like, like you for a second to, to try and put yourself in their position. We're not talking about a nice, clean church here with, with a soft and squishy carpet and the latest digital sound system. We are talking about a stinking, sewage-filled, rat-infested dungeon surrounded not by their best friends with their Sunday suits on, surrounded by rogues and scoundrels and drunks and thieves and murderers. Not set them apart, it was the spirit of faith that just rose up on the inside of them. Finally, on this little whistle top talk, just think about the teaching of the apostles. Paul said in Romans 1, 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live Amen. by faith. I said that faith is a characteristic that we, as a people, singular and plural, should be known for. Galatians 5 verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Okay, so what does what this spirit of faith look like? What, what characterizes people who have it? What sets them apart? How can you tell if people have it or not? Good question, Jamie. What, what does the spirit of faith look like? I'm going to run through a few characteristics of the spirit of faith. Number one, the spirit of faith says, my God is bigger and stronger and wiser and greater. The reality of God's omnipotence underpins everything. You know, what we're talking about here is an idea that is dug so much deeper than just some nice Sunday morning lyrics. You know, strong faith is rooted in who he is, in what he has done in the past and what he's promised to do in the future. And then do you know what? If, If he is with me, if he is in me, and if he is for me, why would I be afraid? Why would I back down or hesitate or even begin to think that I can't? If the omnipotence of God underpins everything, the spirit of faith says my God is bigger and stronger and wiser and greater than everything else. Number two, the spirit of faith says I am in covenant relationship with the creator of the universe sealed with his own shared blood, and that covenant cannot be broken in any way under any circumstances. That's an extraordinarily strong sentence. But that, folks, is gospel reality. You know, the strongest kind of bond you can possibly have is covenant. And God has cut covenant. He's formed that covenant relationship with you and with me. And because of that, 
we are able to say, because he has said that nothing can separate you from his love. You're able to say that no one can snatch you from his hand. He's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Can you not even feel the spirit of faith rising in you as those scriptures just wash over you? So in essence, number one is God is great. Number two is God is for you and with you. Number three is God has spoken. The spirit of faith says, if God says it, that's good enough for me. That was a massive breakthrough for me in my life when I realized the power and authority in this word. Not in an intellectual sense, but in a power sense. The spirit of faith takes God at his word. Straight and simple and unshakable. As that great apostle of faith, Smith Wigglesworth said, the Bible says it. I believe it. And that settles it. Till full stop at the end. Underlined. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Key verse for me in my life, Jeremiah 1 verse 12. The Lord said to me, you've seen correctly for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. I, God Almighty, am watching to make sure personally, to oversee and to guarantee that every word that I've spoken will come to pass in its fullness. Isaiah 55, it'll never return to me void. It will always accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. God's word is unbreakable and it is unshakable and he is personally watching over it. And you know, as believers, we can, we can stand on God's promises with complete confidence. Because every promise comes with the full weight of heaven behind it. Do you know what? That gives us the right to be very bold indeed. It also has, has the effect of, of eliminating those pesky doubts and uncertainties and worries. As it also says in Isaiah 55, verses 8, 9, 10, 11, that kind of area, it says, my ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know, if that is the case, and if God is who he is, and has said what he said, and has done what he's done, I'm okay with leaving those doubts and those fears and those uncertainties and those confusions with him. Spirit of faith will do that. Number four, the spirit of there's a lightning stop tour. The spirit of faith says, I'm not moved by what I can see. I am only moved by what the word of God says. Decision. What's more powerful in my life? My circumstances, my, my thoughts, and my feelings, or the word of God? and the power of God, and the promises of God. Which are more powerful, and which am I going to give authority to in my life? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, We live by faith and not by sight. And there is a difference. See, what we see is fleeting and unreliable. You understand what I see. You know, what's going on around you, what you're 
what you're perceiving with your flesh, what your circumstances are saying, what your friends are saying about you and over you. That, that stuff is fleeting, it's temporary, and it's unreliable. But what God has said is immovable and eternal. You know, we live without a doubt, we live in a confused and a broken world. We have an enemy who is a compulsive liar. We also tend to be tossed about in our own minds and thinking by our own thoughts and feelings and emotions. You know, the spirit of faith makes a life-changing switch. He says, I'm going to choose, from this point forward, I'm going to choose to trust God rather than my feelings. What I believe above what I see. What God has promised over what I fear. Oh, folks, this is so liberating. Many of us, it's as though we live our lives in the, bound up by in, in the chains of our own circumstances. Many times it feels, to me at least, as though my circumstances are playing me like a piano. But the good news is, with the spirit of faith, we have a newfound boldness and a newfound confidence and a newfound strength and ability. Because you make that decision, I'm going to trust God above my circumstances. Number five, I think there are seven on my list. Number five, I don't care who you say I am. I only care who God says I am. You know, the spirit of faith make, makes a what we call a stake in the ground identity decision. Builds a memorial, if you like. And the spirit of faith lets who you are in Christ define you rather than your past failures or your perceived personal weaknesses or those nagging fears and doubts. And so besides giving us a huge stability and security, which in itself is a wonderful thing, the spirit of faith also sets us free, makes us dangerous. So now the spirit of faith is looking to please God rather than being intimidated by people. The spirit of faith is no longer impressed by religion, but is bold in the pursuit of freedom and wholeness. Amen. The spirit of faith knows that it's been sent out in the name of Jesus with a mission, with a purpose, and with his power. Number six, these are slightly random. The spirit of faith says, if the Holy Spirit says, jump, my instinctive answer is, how high? And we've, talked, we've talked through this series about supernatural harvest coming from a supernatural seed. And do you know what? If the Holy Spirit has sparked it, we must jump all over it. Why did Joshua walk around those walls seven days running? Because he had nothing else to do? Because he fancied a bit of, of sightseeing? Wanted to survey the land? No, it's because God the Holy Spirit told him to do it. He sowed that seed 
he jumped all over that seed. Do you want me to march around? How many times? How often? What do you want me to do when I'm doing it? And because they obeyed, they allowed that seed to take root, it produced this extraordinary supernatural harvest. So the spirit of faith is actively looking for that seed. His eyes are open. It's scanning. What is the Holy Spirit doing? What is he calling? What is he prompting? What has he started? And then the spirit of faith is quick and decisive and precise in obedience because it knows the power that is released. The spirit of faith knows that it's clothed with power from on high. The spirit of faith knows that it's on assignment from heaven. As an ambassador for Christ is on the lookout for divine initiation and divine direction. The spirit of faith knows that if the Holy Spirit is leading, then we can follow boldly and confidently. Where does our boldness come from? Where does our confidence come from? It comes from knowing that he's called it forth. Number seven, the last one. The spirit of faith says, I know that I am on the victory side. Each one of these seven messages on the road, maybe another day. You know, this, this, this is the starting point. This is the, the presupposition, this is the assumption that we make going into every situation. I am on the victory side. So, so the spirit of faith is not desperately trying to scramble the, the occasional token win. I'm already on the victory side. Now, our boldness as Christians isn't arrogance. It's a humble acceptance that God is on our side. Perhaps better stated that we are on his. Which side of the victory line are we standing, folks? And so, so if, I, if I stumble, that doesn't make me a loser. It makes me a learner. The enemy is trying to drag you. He knows where you are. He knows which side of the victory line you are. He's trying to drag you and suck you and belittle you over onto the loser's side. The spirit of faith just will not let him do that. Nothing can make me a loser because I'm a king's kid. So, if that's what the spirit of faith looks like, Let me ask you this question. Is that what your Christian life looks like? Should it? Would you you like it to? Have you maybe been there in the past, but perhaps lost your way a little bit? And perhaps this is the question for all of you. Is that your dream? Would you love to be that kind of Christian, carrying that kind of spirit with that level and strength of faith? Okay, which leads us to the final part of the message, really. Which, how, how do we get there? Can't just dangle the carrot and say, <laughs> bye now. How do we get there? How, how do we grow this? How do we catch this? How do we cultivate this spirit of faith individually and corporately? Four ideas for you. N- number one is, is make sure you are standing on the rock. Make sure you are standing on the rock. Because my sense is if you know that you are standing on the rock, you can be very bold indeed. 
come back to that thought in a minute. Acts 4, verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. I don't think that's meant to be a compliment. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Where did their boldness come from? Their boldness came out of relationship with Jesus. And so will yours. Do you really know who he is? Do you really know what he says? Do you really know what he can do and what he wants to do? You know, true faith and true boldness come from hiding just behind Big Brother. I encourage you, if you want to have strong faith, the first point of call is to feed that relationship with everything you've got. Strength of your faith will only be as strong as you, the intimacy and the strength of your relationship with him. I think that goes without saying. I'd encourage you, day by day, minute by minute, to keep looking down and seeing where your feet are. Just keep asking. Whatever you're facing, whatever conversation you're in, whatever difficulty, keep looking down, see where your feet are. If they're not on the rock, jump onto the rock pretty quick. If you're stuck in the miry clay, God will pull you out and put you back on the rock. Because, of course, the good news is if you are planted on the rock, then you can be bold. Then you can demonstrate that strong faith. So number one is make sure you are standing on the rock. Number two is make sure you are digging deep into the word. Here is the verse that was drummed into my thick skull when I was young. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Subtle verse, if that wasn't subtle enough, this is how it was rendered to me when I was young. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What it means by hearing, we're not just talking about just reading this as a factual book, or or ticking a box, we're talking about just allowing that, that word to get deep on the inside of you, allowing God to shine his light of revelation so it really gets inside of you until you get it. You get it and it gets you. Here's a statement for you. The presence or absence of faith in your life is determined by the presence or absence of God's word in your life because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, faith and the Word of God are inseparable. Strong faith is the direct result of God planting His Word deep in your heart. So I'd say that if God's Word doesn't have an important part in your schedule, it will be impossible for you to grow strong in faith. So what I do? I do my Bible reading at the breakfast table with the dog sitting there whining at me for walk time. Do you know why I do that? Not just because it's the best time. I do it because I want my kids, the first thing that they see when they come down the stairs, I I want them to see their father in the Word. 
Not, not because I want them to think, oh, wow, isn't my dad amazing? They know that already. They're my boys, you know. I've done a right con job on them, I tell you. But I want them to see the priority and the importance of the word of God. I was really um, encouraged this morning. I was driving my kids to cricket early. And, and I was chatting with Joel there. And I said, Joel, what? They've got Spotify. They have Spotify. Anyone heard of Spotify? It's a good thing. And I asked my kids, I said, what are you listening to? They said, oh, the new Capital Kings is great. There's something really good by Planet Shakers. Oh, this is encouraging. So what, what percentage of music would you say that you're listening to is Christian and non-Christian? That's quite interesting to know. Joel said 90% of what he listened to is Christian. Oh, it was really good. 14-year-old. I used to have strong control of what they listened to because we had a shared iTunes account. <laughs> Spotify is a little bit more open than that. So, back to the point. Little, little rabbit trail there. Sorry about that. Okay, so the idea is, you know, the strength of your faith will be determined by the strength of your relationship with the Word of God. So, so I just say this to you this morning. If, if, if that's healthy and strong, fantastic. If it's not, if, if reading the Bible, if, if, if all of that is a real struggle for you, I'm going to suggest what I think I've heard called a micro-habit. And the starting point would be to set yourself just an attainable daily target. Right? I realize that reading the Old Testament in a year is a big old struggle. I realize that. But, but why don't you just read one psalm? Psalms are great. Why will they feed your spirit? Or, or just, one, just one proverb? Or, or perhaps one New Testament passage? I'm not talking about a chapter, but in my Bible it's divided by subheadings. So read the eight verses in that little passage. Great place to start. And start there and allow that to feed your faith. Give yourself the tick of success every day. And do you know what? Out of that, your appetite will grow. I felt inclined this morning to advertise a, a resource that we've used here before, resource. It's called the Essential 100. We printed out some copies that are available at the back. We have done this as a church before, actually. What it, what it attempts to do is take the, the 1,189 chapters in the Bible and pick the most important 100. Some of them are slightly more than the chapter. Some of them are slightly less. But there, I think there are 50 in the Old Testament, 10 times 5 days a week. 50 Old Testament and 50 New Testament. You know, perhaps you've never read the Bible before. Perhaps you don't know where to start. In which case, I'd encourage you to grab a hold of this. This is the highlight. It's like watching Match the Day rather than going to West Brom. You know, that kind of thing. Darren's not here, I can say that. They're at the back. Grab them. Okay, number three. Uh, frequently repeated point. Number three is iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise grows wise. If faith is a spirit that can therefore be caught, the question becomes who is influencing you and what are you catching from them? I think you know what I mean by that. The reality is that the people around you are either strengthening your faith or weakening your faith. You know what? The church that you attend is either feeding your faith or it is stealing your faith. I'd encourage you to choose wisely. 
Because, you know, just as, as faith is a spirit that you can catch, you know, so is fear. So, so is doubt. So is unbelief. So is negativity. So is pessimism. Someone said once, lie down with dogs and you'll get up with fleas. He says, scratching his head. Don't be concerned. <laughs> Don't be concerned. Here's a lovely one. This is attributed to Steve Irwin. I know it's true or not. Enthusiasm is infectious, but so is chicken pox. <laughs> Be careful what you catch. You know, pick your environments. Choose your influences. Check whose podcast you are listening to. Do they carry the spirit of faith or are they carrying something else? Check whose YouTube you are watching. Check whose book you are reading. There are a lot of people putting material out on YouTube who I guarantee you have a different spirit. Choose wisely. And if in doubt, ask Barry. So be intentional. Get around those from whom you can catch the spirit of faith. Those people who boost and energize your faith. And that's a challenge I, quest- I suggest you take to the Lord today. What, what do I do about that? And number four, last one, is pray for boldness. You know, we have an inspiring biblical precedent. You know, we've just heard that faith cometh by hearing. But you know, boldness, at least to an extent, cometh by praying. So Acts chapter 4 Verse 23, as soon as they were freed, they'd been in prison, as we know. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said, which is be quiet, basically. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Verse 29, this is what they prayed. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to preach the word of God with boldness. And I'm convinced that Jesus' boldness came from his mountaintop prayer life. You know, that Paul, the apostle, numerous times asked his readers to pray that he preached the gospel boldly. In this passage, in Acts chapter 4, they prayed for boldness and the building shook. But it said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out preaching boldly. Let, Let me ask you this question. What would happen in your life if you made the habit of praying daily for holy boldness. Yikes. Why why, why not pray this every day? God, make me bold. God, give me courage. Open doors for me. Place me in situations where I need to step up and stand out. Dangerous prayers, huh? Help me to shut out my feelings and my fears and instead rely solely on you. Lead me, Holy Spirit, lead me today and I will follow. What would happen in your life if you made a daily habit 
praying for boldness. So here's the challenge. And then we're done. Are you going to live under the shadow of fear or step into the spirit of faith? Are you going to let your circumstances dictate to you or let God's word lead you? Are you going to be limited to what you are capable of or are you going to open the door by faith to what God, the Holy Spirit, is capable of? Are you prepared to step out of your comfort zone to get what God has for you? I think you all know the correct answers to those questions. And hopefully today I've given you some tools to help you along the road. But just in closing, I'd I'd like you to imagine what this place would be like if fear was eliminated and faith liberated. If we started wholeheartedly trusting the God who created the heavens and the earth, who split the Red Sea, who raised Jesus from the dead, healed absolutely everybody and sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Imagine what this place would be like if fear was eliminated and faith was liberated. What we're trying to do here through this series, if you haven't picked this up, is we're working as soil folks. We know we're not there yet. We know there's still a little bit more gardening and a bit more farming to do, but we're going to keep on turning and cultivating and working this soil so that we can make it like this. We won't become the most faithful church overnight, probably, but we can keep on working and working and working, cultivating and stirring and growing that spirit of faith. How are we going to do that? Last thought, four ways. Number one, keep checking that your feet are planted on the rock. Number two, get into God's word and get God's word into you. Number three is hang out with people who carry the spirit of faith. And number four, start to pray bold prayers for boldness. I'm done. Why don't we stand? I'm right. The worship team's come forward. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray for boldness. And if you want to say amen at the end, do. (laughs) I'm hoping to allow a bold crescendo of amen as we invite God to stir us. Let's pray. Father, we know without a shadow of a doubt that faith is crucial. We know that we follow and we serve a God of faith. Faith is how you operate. Faith is the way, the modus operandi, as it were, of your kingdom. Father, you've sent us a Bible that teaches us how to walk by faith. Lord, if we're honest, we all have ups and downs. We all have wobbles and shakes. And my prayer is, Lord, that that as a result of today, as a result of walking out these principles, we will become a strong people of faith. That this church will be known as a church that is strong in faith and bold and courageous. But equally, that every person standing in this room will be seen 
and known and characterized by the faith, the strong faith that they have. That the people walking by will be be asking, what is it that you've got? Where did you get that strength and that stability and that courage from? And we'll be able to say, we got it from Jesus because our feet are planted on the rock. So Lord, the precedent simply is this Holy Spirit. Give us boldness. Holy Spirit, fill us with, with life. Fill us with passion for your word. Surround us with people of faith. But Lord, would we be bold? Not in our own strength. Not because of who we are. But because of who you are. Because you are with us and in us. Make us bold, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.